What is up, everyone? It is Social on the Sidelines, episode number 27. Myself, Shabazz Khan, joined by my co-host, Amara Baptist. And this is the 322nd time we have tried to record this. Seriously. Because, uh, actually, you know what? We had the most fire intro of all time, and Amara's Wi-Fi decided to just end it uh, for us. It was the most fire intro. No one will ever know. Well, no. But it was so fire. I I I had I had a dream about how fire the intro was like the internet was so hype. I actually didn't have a dream. I was just trying to make it as fire as the first one, but I don't remember what I said. So it'd be like that sometimes. Anyway, today who would we have on? We had Sirat Sohi from Yahoo Sports. She's been doing an amazing job uh, covering the Raptors run. And it was cool to have her on and just talk about, like, the city and her. Uh, I, I think she kind of thought she was coming on to talk about, like, straight basketball. And we kind of threw some questions at her. <laughs> so her answers um, were awesome. And it was cool. Cool to have her on. I'm not going to. We're not going to lie to you guys, though. From from our interviewee standpoint, Sirat was fire. She, she had a great interview. From an interviewer standpoint, we were Rough. so trashed this episode. I don't know what it was yesterday. Like, the intro didn't work. Our questions were just straight trash. So bear with us through this episode, because we're not going to lie to you. We just didn't have it yesterday. There was something about yesterday. I don't know what it was, but we just didn't have it. I think Mercury might have been in retrograde. That's my excuse for everything when I'm just Are you one of those people? trash at life. 100%. Yes. Okay. Is Mark is Mercury just always in retrograde then? Since yes. Always tra- apparently. Yeah, never mind. Yes. Apparently. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. On that note, uh, not on you being trash. I'm. Yeah, I'm, it was like, where are we going note. with this? <laughs> we could go on for hours. This could be a whole separate. Actually, you know kidding. what? Wait, you're trash because we forgot to say that our podcast is presented by Front Office Sports. <laughs> And every episode is brought to you by Team Infographics, and you can find them on the internet at teaminfographics.com or on Twitter at Team Infographics. So you're the trash one. I, I am trash. I'm sorry, Front Office Sports and at Team Infographics. Please forgive me. Actually, forgive our listeners for because this is the 27th times, two times that we tell you this at the front of every episode at the end. And if you haven't done it by now, at least just giving them a shot. Just look at how fire their stuff is. If you're just sitting here not at least checking them out, you're trash. Mm-hmm. You're trash. Stop calling our listeners trash. At me, bros and sisses. <laughs> yeah, I don't care. I have no regard for trashness in my life anymore. Okay. That. I've been trashed for 25 years. I can't be surrounded by trash. Feel that. (laughs) Okay, on another (laughs) note. um, Let's talk about the complex sports rankings, as we did last year. The fact that we talked about it last year, and we've been doing this for so long, the two of these have come out, is crazy to me. But that's besides the point. Uh, This year, our very own... Amara Baptist and the at Trailblazers account was ranked second. Is that correct? Mm, we were we were fourth, actually. That's trash. Yeah. You should be 
top one, two, three, whatever. <laughs> That's besides the point. We were number nine at Timberwolves was, and I I came, we came to talk as we did last time that these rankings are not indicative of anything other than what one media company and a few people see as your humor on Twitter and they don't know the strategy, the tone, the voice, the the goals, uh, the access, uh, the reason why you guys do what you do. So know the people within the industry. Um, there's there's a level of, yes, it's fun, and we all take a look at it, but it is, uh, it's not the end-all, be-all. And even for my folks like the Sacramento Kings, who, of course, my – That's my old team. I still got love for everyone out there. I still think they do a great job. But even for those who are top three, top two, even top one, it's it's not an indication of, you know, this is how everyone thinks of social, right? Like even if we're top five, top ten, whatever it is, it's not validation, right? You don't need a company to tell you what you're doing is right or wrong you know yourself based on metrics goals you know organizational priorities etc so yeah put that more stuff and just to piggyback off that a little bit you know i got a text from someone that uh was pretty bummed about uh his or her you know ranking and i told them you know look you do amazing stuff and this is what like you said this is one person that you know probably you know shout out to all our people at complex but i doubt they're digging through every single tweet that every team has ever put out it's just not possible so i think um and it you know it it kind of sucks in in a way because you don't ever want to see like your peers and your friends be quote unquote the worst on social media because i don't think that's right and i don't think that um like we know how much time and effort it takes to run a social account and to manage, you know, all expectations from from all these people in your organization and to to be number 30 on a list that like you said doesn't really have any indicator of, you know, how you're doing your job. I would I don't love that about any kind of rankings, but um yeah, I'm rambling now, but I agree with you. For sure. Um so moving on from that, WNBA season has started, and we know that your trash, being trash has just transferred over into your and WNBA fandom because you didn't choose your co-host team to root for. Literally the most winning, <laughs> the best team to root for, you did not choose for God knows why. Okay. Alas. So let me, okay, I in our, in our fire episode that my Wi-Fi, crapped out um i was vulnerable and i shared that um this year was the first year that i've really gotten into i mean i watched the playoffs last year WNBA playoffs but um this year like i really decided like okay you know i'm feminist i call myself you know i support women i support you know women in sports but i'm not actually supporting the product of the WNBA, whether that's watching or you know, paying for league pass. So I decided to buy league pass and it's so like, I love watching it. And I, like, I, like you said, like you alluded to, um, I've decided to adopt 
the Las Vegas Aces as my team because they have a lot of really fun personalities. And I will root for the Lynx too because I have real no real affiliation with either. But yeah, I think everyone listening should definitely check out some games that like tomorrow's a nationally televised game on ABC. Yes. So that should be yes. good. And I just think like please check the that. more we actually support this product, um, you know, like men and women, um, the better it'll be. So that's my spiel. I agree. And I, I think it's kind of weird in a sense that a lot of men particularly will support certain aspects of women's sports, but also there's a large or a vocal minority maybe that uh, refuses to, for whatever reason, like it somehow is representative of their masculinity or lack thereof in their responses, but they like feel like if they lift up another gender sport that they are somehow bringing down their, I, I really don't get it. Um, but I, I do think it's interesting. Like the, the women's world cup is going on and it seems like at least from what I've seen, there's very few trolls during this time, which is cool. And there shouldn't be, there should never really be. But when you look at WNBA stuff, it's like everyone comes out of the yeah. woodworks from a, from a troll standpoint. And I really don't get it because, um, I know when it comes to women's soccer in general, that's not on a global level, at least in the U S um, I don't see as much of that, but for whatever reason, it's a basketball thing. So um, I would highly recommend, yes, catching a uh, WNBA league pass. I think it's like $15 and you can watch games whenever um, and rewatch games. So highly recommend good basketball tomorrow's links versus sparks. Um, you should definitely that's watch on ABC, it. Right? It is on well, ABC. this episode, yeah. This is, would, <laughs> yeah, y'all will have known that the Lynx have Go Lynx. hopefully won. Go Lynx! Um, oh, last but not least, you're not going to get away from. I, I just remembered oh, in, the, in the fire intro last time we talked about the influencer, NBA Twitter's very own private jet oh, flying, champagne <laughs> bottle popping, game two attendant. Amara Baptist, what was it like to be at the NBA Finals because you are famous on the interweb? I don't know about all that, but shout out Twitter for um, flying me out to Toronto for game two. It was so much fun. Um, we were in a NBA Twitter suite um, with a couple uh, basketball personalities. Uh, Richard Jefferson was there. Alexis Morgan, a guest on the pod, was there. Actually, we had a couple guests. We had... We had a uh, Wob. Wob was there. Cassidy oh, yeah. Hubbard. Okay. Um, who else? Yeah, it was it was a really fun night, and uh, it was really a great experience. I'm not sure why Twitter blew me out, but I greatly appreciate them and the NBA Twitter fanny pack that I now own. Shout out Twitter. Look, don't leave out the hat. I know why you're leaving out the hat. I asked Amara <laughs> to get. To get me a hat, literally, as we talk about trash individuals, think of if one of your best friends went and had the experience of a lifetime, and you're very happy for them, and you ask for just a small favor. Just a meager hat. (laughs) 
just a little hat <laughs> with no, you know, it's not a big deal. And they don't bring it to you. How do you know? And instead, you have to DM because you would have said it. You're right. You would have said it. Yeah. Instead, I had to DM Twitter Sports and beg them in exchange for my cat. I, I sent them a picture of waffles and I said, I will literally trade you my cat for this hat. Mm. And I love my cat. No, you don't. And they said, there's no need to do that. I do a little bit. Sometimes. Well, so you got your hat. Barely. I'm really excited for you. And you got to No, I haven't got it. Okay, but they said they, you'd give they it. Said okay. They said they will send well, it. There you go. Everybody Well, you happy. said you would be a good friend <laughs> when we signed up in you know, this friendship contract and here we are. So but I can't trust anyone. You are on my close friends list on Instagram. So, let's just keep it like I that. did find that out today. Yeah. I I'm on like two people's close friends list and you're one of them. So that's that's cool. Are you on Amara's close friend list, listeners? I bet not. It's true. That makes me feel better. Except if you are on it, then <laughs> then I'm gonna feel worse. All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, without further ado, now that I have roasted every one of our listeners, forgotten our podcast sponsors, and called one of my best friends trash, let's move on to the main attraction. Uh, today's episode featuring trash questions by us to <laughs> a great person in Sirat Sohi from Yahoo Sports. What is up, everyone? It is Social on the Sidelines, Amara Baptist, joined by Sirat Sohi from Yahoo Canada. Is that correct? Uh, Yahoo Sports. Yahoo Sports. Oh, okay. I got a little bit confused because of the Raptors, um, your, your coverage lately. When it came to the Raptors, but that being said, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Uh, so off the bat, the way that we tend to start these things is a little bit of background and introduction into how you got to where you're at now, um, your career path, and and how it all began. Uh, yeah, okay, let's do it. So should I, I guess I can start from the absolute start which was yes. when I was 17. I was sitting in the library at my school after getting a particularly bad grade and realizing that I could no longer rest my laurels. It was my first year of university. And uh, that maybe trying to go to business school and becoming a lawyer might not be the best path for me or that feasible and I started actually just like scrolling down the majors list in a much bigger school. I didn't I don't remember what school, but I just wanted to to have all the possible options of, of things that I could take in front of me. And journalism popped up and it kind of it kind of just clicked. And I feel like that's the case with a lot of people who uh who get into the sports industry because it's it's not really necessarily something that you that you think of as as a kid. You're like, I want to be a sports writer. Uh, I definitely never felt like that. I know people who did. I know people who kind of like ordered you know, every possible issue of Sports Illustrated and, and read all their favorite writers and stuff. But I, that was never really something that I'd, I'd considered up until that moment. So it kind of clicked with something somebody else had said to me before about how I was posting too much on forums and posting uh, 
we'll say way way too long of uh like like tirades basically uh against uh against the bulls i think i, I was i was a bulls fan at the time and they were frustrating so then i decided to just take all of my thoughts onto a blog and it was right around the time that nba twitter was sort of coming into the mainstream but it wasn't it was it was a really good sweet spot it was when it was becoming mainstream but it wasn't too hard to to find your way in and twitter was frankly a friendlier place back then i think it was an easier place to grow as a writer than it than it probably is right now and it was around the time that you know team blogs like sb nation and espn troop were were starting to blow up so uh i just kept writing and talking to people and just trying to improve and eventually landed on uh on hard hard paroxysm and clipper blog which were two blogs and from there, it's kind of just like, I think it's like anything, right? Where you slowly go up the ladder, then you meet more and more talented people. And you're like, wow, how could I be a little bit more like them? How could I be more, a little bit more like them? And eventually I started freelancing, I think, when I was in my third or fourth year of college. I got really lucky that I started doing this stuff, stuff early uh, for, for any number of reasons. But that, that was, uh, it was nice to be able to freelance in college. Cause then by the time I graduated and I wanted to move, I kind of had enough contacts to say, okay, let's, let's see if I can just chance it and move to Toronto and, and, uh, and make a, a living freelancing and, and hoping that, uh, that something works out, which that's what I ended up doing about two years ago. Uh, I moved at before the start of, of last season. And then, yeah, eventually things did work out. <laughs> Good <Yeah>. timing. <laughs> um, so I have a follow-up. It's a little bit different of a follow-up than I guess I've ever asked anyone because I, I don't think anyone could really relate to this. But myself, um, I started out as an engineering major mm -hmm. mostly because my parents, in typical brown parents fashion, were trying to get me to be an engineer. So I'm, I'm wondering from uh, – parent standpoint was that did they buy into it and how if not how different was that uh conversation for you to try to kind of push towards the career field that you're in uh they they did actually i'm really lucky i have very supportive parents who always kind of wanted me to do something creative i think they were actually kind of happy that I wasn't going down the path that I was originally planning to go down, which is not really the case for for a lot of uh, brown kids, as as we know. So that was that was always really nice. They were always really supportive, and like I think the biggest thing for them was just like whatever it is, dedicate yourself to it, work really hard at it. Like I don't think they were they were never okay with me slacking. Like there was there's a point where you know I like. I graduated and like I hadn't moved. My mom was just getting very antsy. She was just like, "What the hell are you doing?" You know. So it was on my case in terms of making sure I was always like, you know, dedicating myself to something. But whatever that was was always up to me. For sure, makes sense. Um. So before, so obviously you gave us, you know, you started out with writing for blogs, and um, I definitely think you came into NBA Twitter at the exact right time because I remember when I was working at Fox Sports, like I already knew who you were and knew your work. So you've been, you've been making impressions for a while, but um, as the transition, so you were at SB Nation. Um, how long ago were you at SB Nation? I started working there last June. So a year ago I was SB Nation and then midway through this season, I switched over to Yahoo in December. 
So can you tell us a little bit about, um, one, the transition to why you decided to do that and then a little bit about your current role now? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, as far as the, the transition goes, it was just kind of a golden opportunity. Uh, Chris Haynes reached out to me. Uh, he, uh, he moved over from ESPN to, to Yahoo and I just, I just really like the sound of, of what he envisioned. It was like, you know, more, a little bit more player focused and trying to, to build these guys' personalities out in, in ways that, uh, you know, I, I don't want to say they, they are. I think this is a very, very player driven league, but, uh, you know, you're seeing it a little bit more where I think players have more control over their narrative than they ever had. And I think from like, frankly, a lot of reporters and coaches and I think like media personalities and anybody in the industry really, like, I think it's a source of frustration for people, probably just because it's new. So it's a dynamic that they don't, uh, necessarily have to deal with uh or have had to deal with in the past uh but it's not really something that i think we're against so i think that's something that's cool to me and uh just generally you know i just i talked to the editors there just love what they had to say and it's uh it's been it's been really really cool so far i feel like i'm learning a lot just as a young reporter there's so much about this industry that nobody's gonna tell you right like it's like you can you can try to read as much as you can or like discern but like it's just it's a it's a fun world but you know as you know it's a it's a weird world as well so just having input from from multiple people and like being able to go to them for advice has been really cool and yeah it's been it's been nice i feel a little bit like tobias harris so you know i'm just like i'm really just waiting to to spend one season in one place and see and see (laughs) but you know overall it's been it's been i mean frankly it's just been a really exciting few years that's awesome um so another question i kind of had in mind is a lot of content creators from from the writing side of things at least uh, assume that a quantity play when they're first trying to get into the industry is kind of the norm and, and what they should be striving for. I'm, I'm curious to get your mindset when it comes to um, the, the types of content you're the, that you're creating these days is obviously probably much different than when you first got into the industry, but um, how how is it different and how do you kind of go about getting your stories? Of course, there's probably not a one size fits all answer to that, um, but just curious how the process um, has evolved for you over time. Um, you know, to, to be completely honest, I don't really feel like I've found my voice yet in terms of what I want to do, what type of reporter I want to be, like what I guess my niche would be. Maybe it's okay to not have one, but I think I'll eventually sort of suss that out. Right now, I'm just kind of in a place where I'm very day-to-day about stuff. I'm just like either, hey, I, I find something interesting and I do it What if it doesn't require reporting, or I just try to figure out what is i guess feasible and what can be done in, in in the right sort of timeline so it's like it's kind of like a mix between curiosity and practicality and obviously as uh as i've moved up a little bit you know the feasibility of certain things you know it, it grows so that part has been really cool but you know i just i don't know if i really have an answer yet as as far as uh I guess it does answer the question. I mean, that that's probably what's changed the most, but I just, I don't, I don't really think I have a, have a niche, I guess. 
for sure. Well, on that note, I know you talked a little bit about um, having a lot of people that you uh, might reach out to for advice. Who are some of the people that you think in the industry are trendsetters or I guess people that you look to in terms of inspiration and advice and just um, overall being among the best at what they do? Uh, I guess like the, the advice thing and like some of the inspiration thing, I guess, uh, I get, uh, I guess I think sometimes like those people are different, which maybe is something that I should try to change. Maybe I should ask advice from people who inspire me. That seems like a, that seems like a good idea. But I mean, I, I think like the gold standard for, for a lot of reporters, like, like Kevin Arnovitz at ESPN is somebody who I always look to and is a, is a good friend of mine um, as just has some of the most unique takes on the NBA can execute them, has great relationships with people to where he can tell amazing stories and be honest about things at the same time, which is, I think probably the biggest challenge to reporting right now. Um, Jackie McMullen is somebody I, who I think does a fantastic job with that. Uh, Chris, obviously is somebody that I, you know, I'll, I'll bounce stuff off of, or if I ever feel like, you know, I'm in a weird situation, like I'll kind of, I'll, I'll ask some of the more experienced reporters about stuff like that. Um, I think like there's, there's a lot of people who I, who's writing, I really admire, uh, Ethan Jared Strauss at The Athletic is, I, I think, fantastic. Um, you know, Marine Fader at Bleacher Report is like the best feature writer and she's so incredible and she's so young and it's just like she's such a rock star. Um she's like, you know, I like wanna be here basically. She's just she's so good. I think she just understands people uh at such a deep level, especially for somebody who is so young. So yeah, that's that's probably those are some of the people who I really look to as uh as inspiration or, or go to for advice. Sure. Awesome a good group um speaking of you know women in this field of reporting um it's definitely something that uh i think is growing as the years progress but obviously you know you're still not that we're still not that many represented in uh reporting mm -hmm. what are some of the challenges that you've faced being a woman in this particular uh field of sports and how have you overcome it um or how it's uh, been an advantage to you? Um, well, I think first, the number one thing I'd say is that there are just so many women who came before me who made this so much easier than it could have been. Because I think now, especially when I look at the Raptors locker room, you always see like two or three other women in there with you pretty much no matter, no matter what time of year it is. Like, there are other women in the locker room. And I think that that alone made a huge difference for me. I think that if I hadn't had that, there are ways that I probably would have been less confident or maybe feeling like people are watching me, making me feel self-conscious or something, which is still something that I think that I think I feel sometimes. And that's probably one of the bigger challenges is just like getting to a place where you feel like you belong so you can actually just go do your job instead of uh instead of worrying about what other people are thinking about you doing your job which is that I think uh I think that's probably my my biggest challenge thus far and like that kind of goes to, towards like a lot of different things so uh I, yeah like that's that's definitely that's definitely the biggest thing I think that it becomes a gendered thing in sports because 
like you said, it's still it's still somewhat rare to to see women. So yeah, I guess like I I don't know. I guess it's like the imposter syndrome thing, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. On on another note, and similarly, I, I'm curious how you've seen at, at least myself and Amara were talking about how WNBA coverage this season especially has has been increased mm-hmm. and it's been really cool to see. But from a writing standpoint, where do you see um, areas for improvement and, and areas for that game to grow, um, especially given, you know, some of these conversations are around gender and, and some of the, the norms that are put in place? Because quite frankly, from a from a game standpoint, um, the, there's a ton of similarities mm-hmm. um, between the NBA and WNBA and, and the level of play is exceptional. Um, so I'm wondering from a coverage standpoint, how you as a writer look at areas of improvement when it comes to that league and, and women's sports yeah. in general. Um, I think like just more of it, right? Like I, th- I think uh, that's, that's probably the biggest thing. And I think, I think the coverage is actually like, is really good. I think we've got like, there's some really good writers that do cover women's basketball and we're seeing more basketball writers generally who are getting into women's basketball as well. Um, you know, every day I will kind of open Twitter and see like, they're like, you know, there are actually like people who are, you know, having like really deep arguments about like which team is better than, better than which team. And that's something that you never really would have seen two years ago. So I think that that's really a testament to how far the coverage and the popularity of the league has come. And I think it's real more just like making people see that like it's really good basketball, you know, and the talent's only going to get better. And that's that's something that I think that the next little while will be will be very critical in terms of whether that's endorsement companies like like or the league itself in terms of paying the players, because really, the more you pay them, the more you're going to attract talent. It's like the one thing with the WNBA is that it's like unlike the NBA, you're just you're just not sure if you're a woman in that position, if that's your best bet financially. And I think that the further it goes towards uh towards making that more clear, like I the talent explosion is still yet to come almost. So I feel like it's really, really primed to explode and then from there like the coverage I think will only naturally yeah, even better than it already is like i just uh you know you see you see so many more like deep features into players and stuff which is so cool to me because you spend all this time essentially writing and reading about men and like that's you know that's basically what i've made my job i'm not gonna really complain about it but at the end of the day like it's still so nice to you know have really experienced reporters go in and write features about these incredibly competitive and resilient women. It's just, uh, you know, it's something that I want to, at some point, like maybe this summer, you know, just as soon as I, I get a chance to uh, to sit down after, you know, basically starting like multiple career, careers in the past few years, like I, re- I would really like to personally expand uh, my coverage as well and like see if that's something I can get into. For sure. We're, we're looking forward to it. Um, the, one other question that I had, especially considering uh, you started at a unique time, at least in Toronto. Um, how has it been covering the Raptors? I, I know your your skill set goes far beyond just that specific team, but being in Toronto for the past two years, um, because on the social side of things, we've talked about 
going from one extreme to another. We talked to Julie Fair, who was social for the Warriors in the past, and um, curious on your side of things, how things have compared last year versus this year when it was at the highest of the highs until the Eastern Conference Finals, and obviously how the series ended last year. Now this year, kind of moving past that, um, that to that next step, how has it been? Uh, you know, day to day, not too much changed up up until probably the Eastern Conference Finals, because before that, it was like, okay, you're covering this pretty promising team. So obviously, like the Kawhi Leonard trade changes some things, and the element that you know he's a rental, there's a little bit more pressure. But uh, you know, on the day-to-day level, you're kind of just going in. I'm mostly in the roadblock room, and then and then like I'd say around mid-May, that's when things really started changing and wrapping up. And it was like, oh, this this run is really something special. Uh, and like we're in the midst of it right now, so it's been. It's been one of the coolest things that I've ever been a part of, to be honest. Uh, I'd say as soon as Kawhi hit that shot in Game 7, which is the most incredible thing I've, I've witnessed live. So that's been, that was really cool. Uh, but since then, it kind, of, it kind of clicked. It was like, oh, wait. No, this is, this is something completely unique and different than anything you've ever seen before. So it's just been, uh, it's just been really fun more than anything else I, I mean I just I don't really have a it's hard for me to reflect on it right now I guess cause like right now I'm just like in the middle of it and being like delirious and excited <laughs> for the most part for sure uh yeah <laughs> that's super <laughs> exciting um how do you see like your future unfolding I know that's a super broad Ooh. question but, like where would you, Mom, be what you want to be in like <laughs> 10 years okay where do you want to be whoa, see you. Whoa, whoa, okay whoa. i didn't know it was going to be one of also wait to give you <laughs> to give you a, a little time to think um i just want to shout out your old twitter handle damien trillard uh-huh. which was a classic <laughs> that's all i wanted to say i loved it <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you stalling for me a little bit there. Well, in, in 10 years, I see myself being 35. Um, I actually like, asked this question in a job interview a, like, a couple months ago. And, well, a couple months ago, like at some point last year. And uh, I just tried to skirt the question because I just honestly have no idea. Uh, I try very hard not to think that far in the future. I don't, I don't think my brain is like... Uh, is designed to think that far in the future. I'm a very... Uh, I don't know. I'm, I I I basically I'm gonna give you the NBA cliche answer of like I just think about things on a day to day level, but it's it's true. Uh, I don't know. I don't really, you know, this industry changes so much too, so it's hard to kind of picture what ten years even looks like. For sure. Um, like, I didn't realize. Sorry, makes how sorry for popping young out. Young you are. <laughs> no, no, you're so you're 25. Uh, yes. Wow, that that's is awesome. what's up. Twenty five gang out here. Let's go. <laughs> okay, let's not age shame. Uh, okay. No, no one's age shaming, Amara. <laughs> you. Okay, so you're out. One one question based off that though is, um, you know, being at the age you are at the uh, position that you're in, I'm sure there's some sort of, or at least outside noise, maybe or or maybe some stereotypes about ages of myself, at least speaking. Um, you know, I, I know there are sometimes some concerns from the outside world, at least are in terms of, is this person able or do they, are they deserving of where they're at? 
that being said, um, how do you kind of combat those questions and, and where do you kind of think, um, the, the next step is for yourself within, um, writing at least. I, I know that's kind of similar to Amara's question, but, um, yeah, I'm just curious based on the age question, at least how you, how you kind of combat any uh, outside noise, if there is. Yeah. Any. I mean, I don't like, people don't say things like that to your face. <laughs> So of that, course, that of definitely course, yeah. helps, but like I like to catastrophize a lot, so I just assume that it's being said if anybody is talking about me at all. <laughs> um, and you know, as much as I'd love to say that I like to let things roll off my back, I really don't. It just probably helped me a little bit to this point. It kind of, I think, it kind of get, gets back to that whole imposter syndrome thing. So, uh, just as as a person, I think I'm just somebody who's always in this mode where I'm trying to prove an imaginary force wrong uh i guess i'm a little bit like athletes in that way and well you know actually it reminds me did you guys see the uh that thread a little while ago about a hey, name somebody who proved you wrong that was like going going viral mm-hmm. on twitter um yeah, I thought yeah. that Bomani Jones had something really interesting to say about that which was essentially that your doubters don't really exist and if they do you shouldn't spend too much energy on them and that's something that I've really learned over the past uh past year or so because like it's like like I said you know this, these past two years have really been a whirlwind and at some point within it I, really like, closely after after starting the job at Yahoo I realized that my like the level of happiness I had in my life hadn't really changed too much and then I kind of started feeling miserable as a result of that because I was like well what's wrong with me I was like I've uh I've kind of I've gotten where if you told me like essentially if you told me when I moved that within a year and a half I would have this job at Yahoo I would have been like are you you serious like come on like no way right (laughs) um and I guess you know a deeper way to answer that question would be that I try to combat that by basically work as working as hard as I can. And I realized a little while ago that I should find better motivators for my life. So at this point, like I'm just trying to ignore anybody who would, uh, who would have something like that to say. But as I think we all know, if we ever felt any doubt in our lives that uh, it's, it's definitely a process and it's, it's hard to, to ignore the, the uh, voices that either are coming from in your head or other people. Absolutely. Um, I guess the final thing is just we always ask um, our guests for advice for people listening. Um, So what would your advice be for people that are trying to get into sports or are already in sports? Yeah. Uh, I guess I'll kind of go back to to what I I was just talking about, because I think the core thing of it all is just to, especially with content, creation now is just to try to be yourself I guess especially with the amount of noise that's on Twitter you know whether it's people saying that you should write a certain way or why aren't you writing about this or why aren't you paying enough attention to this or um, you know especially if you're if you're trying to grow as a writer and I always think about this now is somebody who got into Twitter at a time when it was a much friendlier place 
just try to shut everything out and, and do your best and and gravitate towards the things that you like and have the confidence to follow your curiosity because there's so much out there that if you aren't going to go to a place only you can go, you're not really going to be able to survive. Ooh, that got I deep. Like that. that got deep. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, I like it. We, we we appreciate the advice. That that's good advice. Any final comments, questions, um, concerns over how trash our podcast? Is? I'm just I mean, you could you could theoretically yeah, like say that. Right I would feel sad, but you could um, go no, in. I think, this I think, I think the only thing I would say is that you know, like to, to what I said, maybe that applies a little bit more to women, women of color. Just like if you just feel like you don't belong, like just try to combat that feeling as best as you can. There's you know, a number of ways to to maybe do that. And I also, I mean, I also know people who like women and like women of color, people of color have gone to this business and like completely kick ass and are so confident in themselves. And, you know, it's something that I envy and try to aspire to, but you know, it's just so much of this comes down to believing that you belong in a room and uh, yeah, just believe that you belong in the room. Cause if you believe you do and, like and you work hard, uh, you eventually will. Definitely. That's awesome. Great advice. Thank you so much for joining us and dealing with our uh, horrible <laughs> app mess. and uh, no, you know, cool. our tons of problems. And appreciate no, it. I, I appreciate it. I, did, I didn't see it going this direction at all. So <laughs> cool. <laughs> it got deep. What did you, you get deep on the <laughs> I don't know. I just thought, you know, maybe a little Raptors talk. Uh, I don't know. I didn't really think about it too much, I guess. I just. Uh, no, we we get philo- we get philosophical. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, no, that's that's dope. Self help <laughs> podcast. Okay, yeah. awesome. <laughs> Thank you, friends, for listening to episode twenty-seven, which is the best number of numbers. And why is it the best number of numbers? Because why? I was born on August twenty-seventh, and that is why. So thank you, everyone. Ooh, that's why it's in your email. Yeah. That's why it's in your email. I'm not going to put your email out there, but that's why it's in her email, listeners. Yeah. So thanks for listening, guys. You're wonderful, <laughs> and we love you. And as always, our episodes are brought to you by Hoops. Look, all I know is that I did not hear what you said right there because you cut out, but I'm going to act like I did and say that people need to follow Team Infographics and or check out their work because that's where we're at in the end of this podcast. And I completely guessed because your audio cut out because your Wi-Fi is trash yet again. But listeners don't need to know that. Actually, now they know that. Thank so, you for that. Did I get it right? You did. Was, was I at that? Oh, my God. You did. Oh, my God. That is amazing. We did it. Okay. All right. Well, listeners, you need to check out a WNBA game. Please do not roast me back because I am soft. Sorry for calling you trash. And uh, we will talk to you next episode. Peace out. Are you just not going to say anything to these people on the way out? You're just oh, let me... I was waiting. <laughs> Um, bye. What?